Hi, welcome back to Chats with Chaz. Thanks for tuning in. Come for the stories, stay for the puns. <laughs> Can you believe it? It's actually episode 10. This has been such a fun ride so far to go through the Preach My Gospel manual and go through all these things that have meant so much to me. Thank you so much for following me on this journey and just listening into my stories and I hope learning a couple things along the way. Today, I'm going to be talking about three new attributes of Christ. Uh, Last time, I talked about faith, hope, and charity, which are phenomenal principles. If you missed that episode, feel free to go and check back on episode nine and listen to those thoughts there. Today, we're going to be going over virtue, knowledge, and patience. I need a lot more of these. (laughs) They are very dear to my heart, and I've learned a lot of things about these principles and attributes over the course of my life. And so I would love to share just a couple of things with you today. At this point in the podcast, I just wanted to say thank you to all those that have been listening. I am so grateful for all my friends and family who have encouraged me to continue to put out episodes on a weekly basis where people are saying that they find value and they enjoy the stories. So thank you. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for encouraging me to continue. Because of you, I'm going to continue to share my thoughts and everything that kind of matters to me. And I hope that it continues to teach you, inspire you to want to be a better person and to be the best version of yourselves that you can be. So today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about virtue. So we're going to go ahead and jump into the Preach My Gospel manual. And I would love to read a little bit about the principle of virtue according to this manual. You might have a different definition of virtue, but for all intents and purposes, this is the the definition of virtue that I usually go off of, and I consider it a principle of power. Virtue is kind of a, a not as popular principle that people like to talk about, like, oh, you need to be very virtuous, right? It's associated with uh, sexuality, like you need to be a virgin to be virtuous, right? And if you're not, then, oh, then you're dirty, right? There's a lot of different kinds of connotations that are attached to virtue. But what people don't really realize is that th- that virtue is a principle of power. Even in the story of the woman with the blood disease, which I- I'm not obsessed with this story, but for some reason I keep going back to it. It has a lot of really good tidbits. If you read in the New Testament, it actually says that when Jesus was touched by the woman, he felt virtue go out of him, which I think is a very fascinating thing because that I love science fiction, right? And so I, I love talking about superpowers and magic, right? The fact that it was written in the New Testament as if something had gone out of him, like some sort of energy, is just fascinating to me. Is it possible that virtue could be a form of power? I don't know. Anyway, that's just something that's been fascinating to me. But let's let's talk about what exactly is virtue really quick. In the Preach My Gospel manual, it says this, virtue originates in your innermost thoughts and desires. It is a pattern of thought and behavior based on high moral standards. Since the Holy Ghost does not dwell in unclean tabernacles, virtue is prerequisite to receiving the Spirit's guidance. So essentially, virtue is just your ability to stick with a set of moral principles that you have set for yourself. If you say you're not going to lie, then you're not going to lie. It says this uh, in the Preach My Gospel manual about the Spirit, is that uh, the Spirit cannot dwell in unholy tabernacles, right? So if you're talking about evil things like lust or anger or frustration or malice or jealousy, those things don't jive well with God. (laughs) Uh, He doesn't tolerate that. And so his Spirit cannot be in the same presence as where you are. At that point, you kind of separate yourself from God and his spirit, and you're kind of off on your own until you can manage those feelings and come back into like an equilibrium 
with God, you know, then you're feeling like peace and love and faith. Those are all his attributes, right? Anyway, what I want to talk about first is the next sentence here. It says this, what you choose to think and do when you are alone and you believe no one is watching is a strong measure of your virtue. I really love the idea of virtue. Like I have decided that I am not going to view certain things um, on social media or on YouTube or in movies. And when you're around other people, like in the church, you you go to the movies and if you're with your friends, there's a little bit of peer pressure where you say, oh, of course I would never go watch that movie. But then on your own, you might actually give up on those standards and you say, well, I'm on my own and I'm going to go ahead and watch that, that type of content. For me, that isn't true virtue. You're not being true to yourself. I had learned for myself that virtue is talking about being integral, which I love that word integral. It all has it also has to do with integrity, right? Integrity is essentially what was just spoken just a second ago. What you do in the dark should not change according to what you do in the light. What you do when you're around people should not change when you are by yourself. If you are the same regardless of the circumstances, then you have integrity and you are whole. And by the way, if you choose not to view content simply because your friends don't want to, then that's not being true to yourself. You're not actually being true to yourself. You need to identify what do you care about? What are your standards? And then you stick to them no matter what. You're going to feel a lot more self-confidence and self-worth when you have identified this is what I choose to be. And nothing and no one can convince me otherwise, no matter who I'm with or who I'm not with. Let's learn a little bit more about virtue. I'm going to keep reading a little bit more. Virtuous people are clean and pure spiritually. They focus on righteous, uplifting thoughts and put unworthy thoughts that lead to inappropriate actions out of their minds. They obey God's commandments and follow the counsel of church leaders. They pray for the strength to resist temptation and do what is right. They quickly repent of any sins or wrongdoings. They live worthy of a temple recommend. I love this section so much because it properly understands who we are. We are human. We have weaknesses and we are not going to be perfect all the time, right? It talks about how we need to resist temptation. We are going to have to put inappropriate actions out of our minds. And for me in my life, it's a lot of the times it's been pornography, but it doesn't have to be pornography for any of you. It could be thoughts of jealousy or comparison or judging. These are all behaviors and thoughts that are not virtuous and we need to put them out of our minds. Our minds tend to want to go there anyway, though. And that's why we need to control our mind. Too often we think that we are safe in our mind. Oh, I can, I'm safe inside my own mind. Nothing can get to me. When in reality, whatever we manifest in our mind eventually will manifest in real life if we're not careful. That's why they say that whenever you're dwelling on something more and more and more and more, you're going to end up acting out on those thoughts. I, I suffer from a lot of anxiety and overthinking. And if you know me personally, then you've probably heard me ranting about make-believe conversations that I've never had. And something that I like to try and do is imagine myself as a lake. A lake and I try and make the water as smooth as possible every time I have a thought or a worry it makes splashes and makes waves and I try and smooth out that water again until I am just a pure glass mirror with no ripples and it's very hard because you oftentimes want to think about things and stress about it but all of those people who have been studying mindfulness for years those monks that live in the mountains they have found that inner peace because they have been able to still their mind. 
Anyway, the next section in the Preach My Gospel manual is going to talk about your mind being a stage. For many years, I've agreed with this concept, but recently I have learned from uh, a master class about mindfulness and overcoming pornography that may have changed my mind a little bit. Let me read you the section in the Preach My Gospel manual, and then we'll talk about what I have recently learned. Your mind is like a stage in a theater. In the theater of your mind, however, only one actor can be on stage at a time. If the stage is left bare, thoughts of darkness and sin often enter the stage to tempt. But these thoughts have no power if the stage of your mind is occupied by wholesome thoughts, such as a memorized hymn or verse of scripture that you can call upon in a moment of temptation. So I've believed this for the longest time. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. My mind is like a theater. I can only have one actor on at a time. And if my mind is left blank, it's bored. It usually tends to go to the most entertaining thing. And sometimes it can be pornography or it can be something that's not good, right? And so I understand the wisdom of fill your theater of your mind with good actors, with positive thoughts, you know, memorize those hymns. Of course, I absolutely love that. So fast forward to today, I recently went to a webinar about overcoming pornography. Her name is Sarah Brewer, and she gave some education into how to best overcome the habit of willpower swinging to falling to temptation. If you imagine a pendulum, it's like on one side of the pendulum, you have pure, sheer willpower. I'm like, I'm not going to do it anymore. And then on the other side of the pendulum, you have giving in. And there's only so long that you can go by like resisting the urge before you swing the other way and you give in. So how do you stop this? You probably already guessed it. You simply let the pendulum swing to a standstill right in the middle. And she talks about this in mindfulness. She says, you shouldn't put filters on your phone because filters on your phone are good for raising children, not for self-repair. doesn't work as well. You should be able to live your life normally while still having a phone and not being, you know, tempted by pornography. What, what, what happens is your mindfulness overcomes the temptations. She talks about the idea of just sitting and being uncomfortable with urges. We shouldn't try and avoid urges. We should just let it sit. It happened to me just like the other day where I was feeling tempted. And so I wanted to fight it, fight it, fight it. But really all I did was just sit and feel it. And it's kind of like watching traffic. If you can imagine yourself sitting on a hill and your thoughts are like traffic, cars on a freeway. Rather than sitting in the traffic and getting frustrated and flustered, imagine yourself sitting on a hill outside of the traffic and you can watch the thoughts come and watch the thoughts go. And that's mindfulness. And so that's what I did. I just sat there and I'm like, I am feeling something right now. Currently, I'm having an experience. It's really uncomfortable. I'm having very strong urges and I'm not going to do anything about it. Because here's the tricky thing about the human mind. Nothing lasts forever. And yet we think that this feeling will never go away, which simply isn't true at all. And so the longer I waited, the more the feeling just kind of went away. And it was a true victory for me because it wasn't a matter of willpower. It was just a matter of standing still. In the Preach My Gospel manual, it recommends always having thoughts and scriptures and songs memorized when times of temptation come. And I don't know if I agree with that because I don't want to have to quote unquote fight an urge. Really what I would like to do is just recognize that the urge is there and do nothing about it and then move on. The next thing in the Preach My Gospel manual kind of answers that question though. By controlling the stage of your mind, you can successfully resist persistent urges to yield to temptation and indulge in sin. And the word persistent is key, I think, because you don't need to always have a, a memorized hymn unless you're having persistent thoughts. If a thought pops into your head, 
it's not going to be terrible. You just be like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about this. Nice to know. And then you can move on and move on to the next thing that you're curious about, which, you know, let's let's focus on something good, you know, like the spirit or anything positive. But if you're having persistent thoughts, that's when I think a, a hymn or a song would be very useful. Anyway, I've gotten really into the weeds about virtue, and I didn't mean to get that far into it, but I really love virtue so, so much, and I believe that when we have a clean mind, a virtuous mind, a pure mind, it's like having a clean room, honestly. You know when the feeling when you have a clean room, your life is kind of just more in order? That's how I feel with my mind. So rather than always focusing on smut and, and negative things, we need to bring light into our mind. And we're going to talk about that actually later on when we go over knowledge, which is the, the next subject, actually, uh, we're going to talk about filling your life with good content and discussing the difference between consumption and learning because it's not the same thing. For the last part of virtue, I just want to go over one scripture. That's one of my all-time favorites. I've mentioned it in one of my previous episodes, and that's DNC 121, 45 through 46. There are some amazing promises if we do a, a couple of very key actions that I want to talk about, and it has to do with virtue. Verse 45 says, let thy bowels also be full of charity towards all men and to the household of faith and let virtue garnish thy thoughts unceasingly. So that's the key, right? Garnish thy thoughts unceasingly. What does garnish mean? Garnish is something you put on a food. It's just a little sprinkling of green stuff that you put on top, right? Why does it say to garnish? I think it's important that we always place upon us a little bit of virtue. Just make it pure. And they put an emphasis on Garnish thy thoughts unceasingly, because if we are unceasingly pure, there's a couple of very key promises that the Lord can promise us when we do that. The first one is thy confidence shall wax strong in the presence of God. If you imagine yourself standing before the perfect being, Heavenly Father, and you have a virtuous mind, do you think you can be pretty confident while standing there? Absolutely. But if you've had unvirtuous thoughts, judging thoughts, inappropriate thoughts, it would be kind of hard to look the guy in the eye. To me, I feel like that's a given. And there's no greater feeling than being able to look at your role model and look him directly in the eye and saying, I have been good. I've been doing everything that you've wanted me to do. And I can look you directly in the eye with confidence. So that's only the first blessing. There's a couple of more. The next one that says, and the doctrine of the priesthood shall distill upon thy soul as the dews from heaven. Now, this is a really interesting phrase, and I'd like to unpack it just a little bit. The doctrine of the priesthood. What is the doctrine of the priesthood? Now, the priesthood is the will of God or the power of God given to man to act in his name. When people give blessings, we have the authority to act in his name, but not the power if you're not virtuous, right? I had given the story of the time that I had slipped and and messed up with pornography, and then someone had asked me to give a blessing. Very awkward situation. I had given the blessing, but I didn't feel I didn't feel like I I would receive any revelation because that conduit, that fiber optic cable that is revelation, wasn't clean. I wasn't going to receive any revelation. I wasn't able to receive that kind of revelation in order to perform God's power. And that's why it's so vital that we have virtue constantly. When we are always virtuous, we are always prepared to give blessings and and give the will of God through revelation, through the power of the priesthood at any given moment. The next blessing that is given is the Holy Ghost shall be thy constant companion. And whenever you find those general words, it's always important to highlight those. Remember the uh, earlier on in the verse, it said, garnish thy thoughts unceasingly, right? You got to do it all the time. And if you do, you'll have a constant companion. And I love that. Sometimes when we are unvirtuous, we distance ourselves from God. We have to understand God does not leave us. We leave him. He does not move. 
He's always standing where he's always stood. He never leaves us. Whenever we go off the beaten path, it's because we have distanced ourselves from him. So when we choose to be virtuous at all times and all places, we get to have a guide through life whispering to us what we should do, what we need to do in order to have a better life. He'll lead us to all those opportunities that will lead us to happiness, to those people that we've always wanted to meet, to the opportunities we've always wanted to have. The Holy Ghost is one of the most amazing gifts that we can have in this life. And if we are virtuous in our mind, we can have that constant companion. And here's the last part of this verse. And I don't know if we have enough time to go into all of this, but I would invite you to go and look at DNC 121, 45 and 46 and learn for yourself. What do you think these blessings mean? And thy scepter, an unchanging scepter of righteousness and truth in thy dominion shall be an everlasting dominion. And without compulsory means, it shall flow unto thee forever and ever. Now, if you're into business, you've heard of something called It's called residual income, where you have money just coming to you and you're making money work for you. I would invite you to read this scripture and learn a little bit more about how you can achieve self-reliance and have all things flow unto you without compulsory means. Such fascinating doctrine. This is is the stuff of Godhood, my friends. Anyway, enough about virtue. I guess my big takeaways for the concept of virtue is it is a principle of power. When you are true to who you are, whether you're with people or without people and by yourself, is a true measure of who you are as a person. It gives you self-confidence. You are more powerful because you are true no matter what happens. You have certain blessings that you can receive when you choose to be virtuous. And we talked a little bit about stilling your mind and just stopping the, the pendulum from swinging so that if urges do show up, you don't have to always act like an animal and act on every urge. You can just feel it, feel a little uncomfortable and not do anything about it and go on to more brighter and more wholesome things. Anyway, I would love to hear your feedback. Feel free to DM me on my Instagram, by the way. If you have any questions about virtue or if you have any disagreements, please let me know. I want to discuss these things with you. My Instagram is Chaz Gonzalez. If you just look me up, you can pretty easily find me. My profile is a yellow background as of right now, so you could probably find me. But please message me about any questions you have about virtue. Moving on to the next attribute, we're going to talk about knowledge. I love knowledge. In one of my first episodes, I talked about everyone is a truth seeker, regardless of if if you're a believer or not a believer, everyone's trying to figure out how does this world work? And knowledge is one of the attributes of Christ. Christ knows everything. In the New Testament, he said that he grew from grace to grace. He himself had to learn. So we're going to see what the Preach My Gospel manual has to say about knowledge. Seek learning even by study and also by faith. He also warned it is impossible for a man to be saved in ignorance. Seek knowledge, especially spiritual knowledge. Study the scriptures every day and also study the words of the living prophets. Through study and prayer, seek help for your specific challenges, questions, and opportunities. I think it's super important that we all study something in our life. We all have issues. We all have questions. Do we take enough time for us to study up on the issues we're going through? If you have anxiety, how much education do you actually do about anxiety in general? How many blog posts? How many books do you read? How much... How many YouTube channels do you actually subscribe to to better understand anxiety so you can get a handle on that? Understanding something is just pure power, right? Knowledge is power. That's what they always say. And I think that's so true. The best knowledge that I know of is the spiritual kind. Better understanding all the scriptures pertaining to faith, hope, charity, patience, right? All of these attributes that we're learning about, there's so many scriptures about them, so many historical accounts of how Jesus Christ manifested faith, how he manifested patience. Uh, In the church, we have general conference twice a year where they give general conference talks from Revelation 
based on what they feel the whole church as a whole needs to know and for the whole world, basically. And it's brand new knowledge. That's what I love about having a modern day prophet. A prophet is a spokesperson for God. And in the Bible, they gave a lot of really important instruction to those people. And it applies to us. But we need modern revelation for modern day problems. And that's what a modern day prophet is for. General Conference is one of the most phenomenal experiences of, your, of my life. If you've never experienced it for yourself, I would highly recommend you go check it out at LDS.org or on the YouTube channel and you can experience what it'll feel like. I swear, every time I do, every time I go to General Conference, I feel like I am a little bit closer to heaven. Such goodness, such peace, such love. And I know that there's been some friends who have had negative experiences with General Conference. And I am so sorry that you had those experiences. Um, and sometimes the way that they give their talks or the way that they phrase them, it's a little bit questionable, especially when it comes to like policy and how people are, and how the church changes on how certain communities are treated. Those are really sensitive topics, and that's really, really hard to handle. I don't want to get into those discussions today, but all the talks that have been given about basic doctrine of faith and Jesus Christ, I've never had a question of. One of the thoughts that I always have about knowledge is that it's one of the few things you actually get to take with you when you die, right? You don't take any of the material items that you've acquired in this lifetime. The only things that you take with you to heaven are the relationships that you've cultivated with people around you and the knowledge you received. You can only read so many books. I want to talk about learning because it's directly related to knowledge. There's a difference between consumption and learning. Consumption is like social media when you are just scrolling and you're being entertained and it's short bite-sized pieces. Like what you choose to view doesn't always mean that you are learning something new. If it's always these bite-sized segments and informational things, you're not going to learn deep, deep, deep knowledge and you're not going to rewrite your brain. Like I talked about before, your brain is very plastic. It's, it physically changes according to the habits and knowledge that you receive. And if it's only small bite-sized pieces, you're not working that canal. You're not connecting those synapses enough. And so you need to study more. And so that's the difference between consumption and learning. Learning is found in books. You are seeking to understand and build your brain. You're Maybe you're watching like a, a YouTube tutorial that's more like 20 minutes long or a webinar that's an hour long. It's going over. It's teaching yourself. It's going to these classes. I think it's super important that you get an education. I don't think every college degree is exactly perfect, and I think you should be very selective in how you choose to go into debt or spend your money. But going to classes that you find valuable is so, so important because it expands your mind. I just wanted to read a couple of things that I found super fascinating. Did you know that Bill Gates reads 50 books a year. Mark Zuckerberg reads at least one book every two weeks. Elon Musk grew up reading two books a day, according to his brother. Billionaire entrepreneur David Rubenstein reads six books a week. Now, I'm just reading off these statistics from uh, a blog article that I found, but I have heard these things before, is that these very successful entrepreneurs are reading, 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 reading. They're spending hours a day, and you're thinking, how on earth do they have time? They're CEOs, they're, they're entrepreneurs, they're billionaires. They don't have time to read, and yet for some reason, they are still finding the time to read. For me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to share a story. I've recently started working at this startup called Via Customers. We do SMS marketing for Shopify store owners. It's a blast. I'm loving it. And I was hired for my content creation skills plus my marketing skills. 
Now you may ask, Chaz, did you go to college for marketing? And I will quickly respond, no, no, I did not. I went to school for advertising, which is not the same thing. It's more about ideation and coming up with branding, um, not necessarily marketing. So I've been having to learn so much about marketing. In the recent, in the most recent weeks that I've been working there, I've had a need to create new content and educate our customers on how they can tell their customers how to market. And I feel so at a loss. And it's because I haven't done enough learning myself. I'm so new at this. How on earth could I possibly teach somebody else something that I myself don't understand? And so I'm repenting of that. Every morning I'm taking an extra hour and I am teaching myself. I'm I'm taking the Facebook blueprint certificate so I'm better at at social media marketing. I am reading blog posts of all of our competitors and I'm reading blog posts about marketing in general and teaching myself. I bought a book that's called How to Do E-Commerce Marketing so I can better educate my own customers. The more I teach myself, the more I'm better able to teach others, which essentially is what I'm doing with marketing. So for the key takeaways for this section, study the scriptures more than anything. Spiritual knowledge is going to be your best bet. In every situation where I've sat down in the morning to study the scriptures, keeping my own issues and problems and anxieties in mind, something that I read is going to answer those questions. Or putting myself in that kind of virtuous environment where I am one with God and reading his word, he enlightens my mind to the solution that I need. I promise you, anytime that you sit down and ponder on the scriptures and study them, you're going to find solutions to your everyday problems, even though it's not actually physically written down on the page in front of you. Another key takeaway is understanding truth is the key to success. In the seven habits of highly effective people, they talk about paradigms, which are essentially a lens through which you view the world. And the better you understand the virtual map of the world, the better you can navigate through it. The more you update this virtual map, this, this lens or this paradigm, the more successful you can be. So knowledge is power in, in as much as you understand how the world works. Keep reading, keep understanding, educate yourself, never stop educating yourself because when you die, you're going to have knowledge of how the world works. And it's only a small fraction of what reality really is because we are so finite. We are so limited in what we can see and what we know when there's so much truth to be known. And, I'll, and finally, always be learning like famous people. All these people that are finding time to read books, we need to read books too. Well, this is already turning out to be a pretty long episode, so I'll try and keep the last attribute relatively brief, which is actually patience, which is a little ironic. Reading from the Preach My Gospel manual, patience is a capacity to endure delay, trouble, opposition, or suffering without becoming angry, frustrated, or anxious. <sighs> now, friends, I'm going to be a little uh, transparent with you. I struggle a lot with patience especially patience with myself. I am not very good at this attribute at all. I want to be good at things immediately. When I was on my mission, I had to learn Spanish and I wanted to learn it immediately. And I got so frustrated with myself. In fact, I got really down on myself. I had a lot of self-flogging where you should be better. You should be at this point or something. And I wasn't very kind to myself at all because I felt like I needed to be performing with my Spanish better for some reason. When I was on my mission, we had to report in our numbers and uh, basically say, like, how many lessons did you teach and how many baptisms have you had? And, and I did a lot of self-flogging then, too. I'm like, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And, and that was so, so bad. I needed to be more patient with myself. This is going to be an issue that I'm going to be working on for a long time. I can tell. It started when I was young. Another story I have is when I was growing up, my mom taught me how to play the piano. And so she would give me the little drummer boy and I would sit on the bench as a little kid. I remember this. I would try and practice the right notes and it would hurt my brain to figure out what does that dot mean? 
How is it associated with my hand? And now I have to play it. And it took so long and it sounded horrible. Nobody likes the little drummer boy. It's not a fun song to play, especially at 0.005 speed. It was so agonizingly slow. I got so frustrated with myself that I ended up just hitting the keys and yelling and crying and just being so done with it. And my mom said, you can't get off the bench until you're done for 30 minutes. And I remember I, I curled up on the bench and cried out of frustration and just complete despair because I did not want to keep practicing the piano. I wasn't very patient with myself. Luckily, this story ends with success because as years went by, I, I developed more and more of this piano skill and I became more and more patient with myself. I gained a better understanding of the amount of time and practice it would take for me to learn a song. And so the first time I practiced a song, I understood just how agonizingly slow it was going to have to be. I got to the point where when I was a senior in high school, I learned a song called Piano Fantasy by William Joseph and I absolutely loved it. And I went to my orchestra teacher and I asked her if she happened to have the arrangement or the accompaniment for Piano Fantasy. And she said she did not. At the time, I had received a composition teacher, Shane Bowles, who was teaching me how to compose music. And so I gave myself the challenge of arranging my own accompaniment for Piano Fantasy. And this took months to develop, by the way. This did not happen overnight. I had to practice over and over and over this song that I had been practicing. And then I would have to write the music very meticulously for eight different parts and bind it into a book. And one day I finally did. I handed it over to my orchestra teacher, Miss Smith. And I said, here is the arrangement and the accompaniment for Piano Fantasy. Can we please practice it in orchestra today? And she was just absolutely dumbfounded. She said, did you write this? And I said, yes, I did. And friends, this is the highlight of my high school experience. Not prom, not football. It was my orchestra performed Piano Fantasy with my arrangement at the spring concert at American Fork High School. It was the best feeling ever. And it only came out of months and months of meticulous patience and practice. I think patience is a very important thing to have. And I'm glad that it's a principle that we need to, to hone. Every day I'm trying to be more and more patient with myself, and I'm still struggling with it. But I hope that everybody else can feel that they are patient with themselves as well. Whew, well, we made it through three more attributes of Christ. I know I jabbered on for a long time about the first one, and I hope that you found some value in it. If you have any other questions about the attributes that we talked about today, like I said before, feel free to slide into my DMs, and I'd love to discuss this with you. If you have any other suggestions of topics that you want to hear on the podcast, I'm making a list of all the other subjects that I'm going to be talking about, and, and we'll be going over those in future episodes. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you have a blessed day. Thank you.